listening to My Morning Cup, a podcast that features interesting conversations with genuine people. I'm your host, Mike Costa of Costa Media Advisors. My guest this week is Dahlia Qualls-White. Dahlia is the Senior Vice President and Chief Communications Officer for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. After obtaining her B.A. in English at the University of Illinois and her Master's in Mass Communication from Southern Illinois University, Dahlia embarked on a career that brought her from sports information to homeland security to health care and health insurance. Dahlia, welcome to My Morning Cup. Before we talk about the connection between sports, homeland security, and health insurance, let me ask you, what's in your morning cup? Well, this morning I have a smoothie. I have a smoothie in my morning cup. Is is that what we're referring to? Yeah, your typical morning cup. What's in your smoothie this morning? This morning, I went for the Peanut Power Plus with coffee oh, nice. uh, from Smoothie King. So I needed a little jolt this morning, and that's what's in my morning cup. Is that typical? I usually drink decaf coffee. I just like the taste of it and the smell and all of those things. So I don't really drink it to wake me up in the morning. But today I needed a little caffeine. So I went with Smoothie King. We're kindred spirits. I only drink decaf. I can do a little bit of caffeinated coffee, but it doesn't do me well throughout the day. Gives me the jitters. Me too. But I just love the smell, the aroma, the whole process of coffee. Do you put anything in yours? Well, you know, see, that's the thing. I'm the type of coffee drinker where it's more cream than coffee. (laughs) So I have a little coffee with my cream, I should say. Well, welcome to my morning cup. You have an interesting career path. You're currently with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee as the Senior Vice President and Chief Communications Officer, but you didn't start there. You go back to University of Illinois, English major. Fighting Illini. The Illini. That's right. And I believe they're playing pretty good basketball this year, aren't they? They are. They are. Fingers crossed. Then you went on to Southern Illinois University and got your master's in mass communication. You started your career in communications and you're back in communications. So as a girl growing up, did you say, I want to be a communications major? No, gosh, no. Like a lot of young adults, I didn't know what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. Of course, I grew up with two brothers and a a dad who served in the United States Air Force for 25 years. And he and my brothers are into sports. So that's kind of how I got that bug in me and, you know, thought maybe I can do something in the sports field when I grow up. Older brothers? I have an older brother and a younger brother. So middle child. I'm I'm a middle child. And your dad in the Air Force, did that mean you guys moved quite a bit? I didn't get it as bad as my older brother did, but I was born in Texas, spent some time in Myrtle Beach. I started school in the Philippines. Wow. And then we moved to Illinois. So that's where I consider home to be. I spent the majority of my adolescence in Illinois. And, you know, like we just talked about, went to college there, started my career. And no one lives there anymore, but Illinois still has a special place in my heart. So as growing up, going to school, you were able to have some stability in Illinois, as opposed to we've talked to some people from military families who every two years, they're going to a new middle or high school. That's right. That's right. Yep. I had lived in Illinois since I was in third or fourth grade, whereas my brother got the 
moving around every two years Mm -hmm. thing. So by the time I was growing up, my dad was, you know, getting stable and close to retirement. Well, good. So you you graduated from Southern Illinois. You've got a love of sports because it was forced upon you. (laughs) That's right. Is that when you decided to go into sports information? No, not really. I, I, you know, I graduated from the University of Illinois in Champaign, trying to figure out my career path, got a job in human resources, did that for a year in Chicago. And then I decided I wanted to go back to school and get my master's Mm -hmm. degree and kind of chart a new path. As I was finishing up my master's degree, an internship with the NCAA came up and I applied for that and was afforded the opportunity to start my career in athletics. And I moved all the way to Keene, New Hampshire, not knowing a soul. Where is Keene? Keene, New Hampshire is in southern New Hampshire, kind of right on the border there with Vermont. And, you know, I said, why not? I'm young, you know, no attachments. Let's go. Let's try this out. So that's how I started my career in athletic communications. Go back when you graduated from Illinois and you took that first job. I imagine you're like a lot of seniors graduating, looking for what you want to do, but you kind of fall into what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Kind of looking for um, what's, you know, what's going to fill my morning cup? What's going to make <laughs> what, me... What a great yeah, you know, you know, What's going to make me happy? What's going to get me going every day? And what was the decision to go back and get your master's in mass communication? You're in your job a year or two, and you said, eh, I'm not sure I want to do this the rest of my life. That's exactly what happened. Not sure I wanted to do what I was doing. It didn't fulfill me. So when I thought about what kinds of things I wanted to do. I knew that writing was one of them. And so I thought, let me go back and reevaluate. I call it one of the times where I went to go find myself. Good for you for doing it because there's so many people that just don't do it. You just go, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do, what I'm meant to do. And there's always that little bug in the back that says, what if? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you took care of that what if pretty early. I tried to, yeah. So talk a little bit about your sports information career. You you went to Keene, New Hampshire. What was the name of the school? Keene State College. Keene State College. And how long were you there? I was at Keene State College for three years. I had started as an intern, was hired on as the assistant athletic communications director, did that for an additional two years, and then was feeling that itch to have my own thing. So I transitioned to Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts, as the um, sports information director. And how long were you at Clark? I was at Clark for three years, about three and a half years. And I tell people that sports information directors, gosh, they do a lot. It's night times, it's weekends, it's all of those things. So I felt at the time that it was a it was a young person's job and I was getting up there in age. Well, talk about that a little bit, because what exactly does a sports information director do? Because I think most people or fans would say, well, that's the person that is the face in terms of getting the information out there. But there's so much more behind the scenes, particularly when you have multiple programs. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And at Clark University, I was their first full-time sports information director. 
they had coaches filling the mm-hmm. position part time, which is always scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there is there is a lot of you know I mean you've got to keep your website updated and you're pitching stories about student athletes, um, not only what they do on the field but what they do off the field as well academically in the community. I pitched a story about a young girl who was undergoing cancer treatments and you know she's still in school she's still trying to play sports it was just it was a fantastic story about resilience and perseverance and willpower and it's just it was inspiring so you know you find those gems and those stories that you want to share more broadly mm-hmm. and it's partnering with the university communications team their hall of fame programs that they have and it's an all night and all day kind it's of 24/7, grind. It's 24-7, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I should also mention that with those positions that you're not only doing the, at least my experience, I should say, at a smaller school, Division Three, you're not only doing the writing and the statistics for games. I was out there doing the baseball fields. Like, you know, I was raking the fields before really? the games. I was running the scoreboards. I was the announcer. <laughs> I had to do it all. So it's kind of boot camp for your current position. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you're at Clark three years, and that's when you moved to Tennessee? Was it Homeland Security? Yep, yep, absolutely How'd right. How'd that come about? You're a sports information director at Clark University of Massachusetts, and all of a sudden, Tennessee Department of Homeland Security. How's that even get on the radar? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how <laughs> your career goes. But at that time, after about three and a half years, six and a half, maybe seven total of working in athletic communications, I had decided it was time for a change. I was up in New England by myself. My family, they, my parents had retired to Mississippi, which is where they're from. They were getting older and it was, you know, I needed to be closer to home. So Nashville was the closest where mm-hmm. I can get to them and to also still have a career in communications. And my aunt worked for the state And she recommended me for an opportunity with the Department of Safety and Homeland Security as a public information officer. I went through the interview process and was hired on as their public information officer. And I learned a lot. Obviously, that's a big shift. But, you know, I always say the beauty of communications is that it's transferable. You can work in any field as long as you have the fundamentals. Yeah. And you were at... Homeland Security, I believe six years. I was there. um, Yeah, that's about right. Five to six years. And I have to tell you, my very first weekend on the job was May 2010. And that was the weekend of the big floods in Nashville. Talk about being thrown in the fire. Yeah, baptism by fire. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. What was that like in terms of you're new and are you having to go in front of the press and and talk about what's going on at that point? I did not do that, but I was sent over to um, TEMA, Tennessee Emergency Management Agency. And at that time, my job was for the Tennessee Highway Patrol as part of the Department of Safety and Homeland Security. So we've got state troopers out there doing rescues and making sure people are safe on the highways and trying to get them off. And it was an experience for sure. And, and that just made me further appreciate what our law enforcement community does and all of the agencies that work together on that weekend to make sure that Tennesseans were safe. 
What were some of the skills that you picked up through sports information? Beyond your communication skills, were there some management skills or things you picked up along the way that really helped you out there? Well, one, I say I worked with a lot of student athletes and they really taught me to not take myself so seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So I can say that that helped. Yeah, that certainly helped in that situation and something that I've carried along my career journey. And I try to impart that on my teams as well. Well, you know, that's an important point. Everyone's concerned about their careers and we do take them seriously. But at the end of the day. At the end of the day, there are more important, you know, there there are more important things. There's your families, your relationships, yeah. your um, your health. We should prioritize those things as much as we do our work. Absolutely. Great point. We had, uh, I believe it was Gideon Thomas, who, when I asked her a similar type question, she responded with, listen to your body. Yes. Which, when she said it, I thought, that's an interesting answer. But the more I thought about it, we get so focused on the next step. Where are mm. we going to go next? Where are we going to go next? And you don't recognize the stress. You don't recognize some of those things that happen that by the time you get my age, you go, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd recognized that at that time. <laughs> you know, I say all that and I am the worst offender of it. And I have to remind myself all the time to take a breath, take a beat. It's going to be okay. Let's focus on the now. Let's be present. That's something I've had to work really hard on over the last few years, and it's made a world of difference for me. If you just work one day at a time and stop going towards that point out there that never comes. Yeah. If we could just get here. Yeah. We'll do this. Now, in Homeland Security, you advanced fairly quickly. You had a couple different roles there, did you not? So I served as the public information officer for the Tennessee Highway Patrol, the Department of Safety. Then I received the opportunity for a promotion to deputy communications director in that space. Well, good. Now, you're there. HCA comes calling, Hospital Corporation of America. There was an opportunity with, at the time, Hospital Corporation of America. Now they are HCA Healthcare. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to transition into the private sector and see what happened. Yeah. Well, it looks like some (laughs) some good things happen. So at this point, you've got a mix of backgrounds. Through that, did you have mentors along the way that you just could pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm thinking about this? You know, that's very interesting. And it's something that I have always wished that I had in my career. I really did not have a mentor or someone that I could pick up the phone and call and run something by them. Of course, there are people that I admired the way they worked and looked at them and maybe emulated some of the things that they did. But I didn't have that one person that I can pick up the phone and call. I will also say that my aunt, the one who I referenced, also works in communications or had worked in communications during her career. And that was someone that I could talk to just about some of the things that, you know, maybe a tactic or a strategy or something like that in communications. You know, you're the first person I've asked that question that answered it similarly to how I would. Yeah. I've always felt that I've got a ton of people that have helped me through my career and I've admired. And yeah. yeah, I could ask some questions, but to have that one person beyond my father, right? that you go, oh, that's my mentor and yeah. I've followed everything. And I think that's interesting from the standpoint because you always hear about that 
mentor-mentee connection, but there are a lot of people out there who have varied backgrounds, who have picked a little up out of everyone, everywhere, almost like being in a library. That's right. Being able to pick up a book and gain some knowledge from that person. That's right. That's absolutely right. And of course, I've always envied those people who had a one-on-one mentor their whole career and was able to rely on someone. And that's why, to me, it's so important for me to give of my time. If anybody has questions, if anybody just wants to talk, and I'm always willing to make myself available because I know how that is. You know, I always felt, what's wrong with me? (laughs) 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 Do they even like me? (laughs) They don't want to be my mentor. (laughs) So you're at HCA and then Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yes. So you come into Blue Cross Blue Shield as Director of Communications. Yes. Yes. Uh, Our friend Roy, our friend Roy Vaughn recruited me and hired me on as director of corporate communications. And I moved to Chattanooga again, not knowing a soul or anyone here. And right before the world shut down on us, it was an interesting time for sure. Um, But the end of 2019 is when I moved to Chattanooga for an opportunity with Blue Cross. I would imagine that was difficult because you're coming in and you're running a department. You've got a lot of people who are answering to you, but they're all sent home. Yeah. And that connection had to be difficult. Yes. How did you work your way through that? Oh, gosh. I tried everything. Looking at different platforms where we could stay connected, whether that was Slack or any type of tool like that, you know, at the time, I wasn't familiar with Zoom, but we learned that very quickly. Very quickly. (laughs) Very quickly. You know, we had a conference line, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wanted to be able to see people and we made sure that we stayed connected whatever way that was, either by phone or by Zoom or by email and just made sure that we checked in on each other. I would imagine it made your role even more difficult because communication became a premium Mm -hmm. at that point. So you've got a big organization, thousands of people working in the organization, but they're not coming into the office. Yeah. So you're having to figure out how to get the word out and also still have that team feel. Yeah, that's right. The corporate communications team, they were experiencing this whole thing with the pandemic and also having to, you know, get the message out. So to make sure that our employees knew what to do and where to go and how to work and all of those things. So I say this all the time. It makes me want to weep how much and how hard everyone worked during that time just to make sure, to your point, that we were communicating with everybody. Well, and back to your point about the team is experiencing the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but also has a responsibility to help guide people through the pandemic. Yeah, it was twofold and it was interesting to experience and watch. And I think we all learned a lot from each other during Mm -hmm. that time of of our resilience and capabilities and all of those things. So, again, that constant communication and checking in with one another was so very critical during that time because we were wearing two hats. So you mentioned while you were at HCA that you were recruited to Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee by Roy Vaughn, a mutual friend. How do you get to the point to where you're being recruited by someone like Roy? Did you have a connection there? What brought you on his radar? Uh, gosh, I don't know. That that might be a good question for Roy. Um, 
What I can tell you is that, I, you know, it was through LinkedIn, but the HR recruitment team reached out via LinkedIn. Then I had some telephone conversations with Roy and it just kept advancing. We kept moving forward with the process. I think that he had also reached out to some mutual folks that we had in common and kind of asked a little bit about my background. And fortunately, those folks had some good things to say. And yeah, it just it kind of went from there. So and back to the LinkedIn, I think more people use that for recruiting than people understand. Yeah, I know I've used it to find sales managers and keeping that profile, not just up to date, but professional. Having that professional profile is like having your resume up there the entire time. That's right. That's right. One thing I will say is that people are always watching even when you think that they're not. So keep doing what you do, keep doing what you do best and know that it will all work out in the end. I'm going to ask you a biased question because I'm a communications person. How important in your opinion, because you've been in a couple different fields, is communications to the organization and a successful organization? It's everything. I think it's everything. And I may be biased uh, by saying that. (laughs) But, you know, our employees rely so heavily on our communications team. I mean, we are a support organization for the enterprise. Mm -hmm. So whatever any department or our clients need, we try to make sure that we're there to deliver and also be consultative. And well, have you thought about this? Like, is this a good way to get the message out? You know, there are so many different emails or videos or podcasts. Mm -hmm. So we try to make sure that we're offering the right channels as well. Well, and that is a new challenge for the modern world of communications, because as I was coming up as a kid, we had three TV stations and you had two newspapers. You didn't have what I call the democratization of communication channels. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to get a mass word out, you either had to know someone at a television station or have good public relations. Now, you can go anywhere on the World Wide Web with podcasts, video blogs, whatever you want. So there are a lot of different channels there. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I think one of the things that we try to do is communicate early and often just so that, you know, no one's wondering. There's no questions being asked about Wait, what what do I do or where do I go or who do I ask? Yeah, and when I was still running TV stations, I used to call that parking lot talk. I wanted to tell everyone everything I could tell them because if you didn't, at the end of the day, there'd be three or four people in the parking lot hovered around a car going, you realize what an idiot he is. (laughs) (laughs) Because people's minds will go in the worst possible direction Mm, if you, you don't get all of that information out there. That's right. And sometimes you have to be repetitive. Say it three times before somebody gets it. Well, that's the old broadcaster in me. It is three times. You got to get it back three times and and everyone will start to remember it. So now you've moved into a new role at Blue Cross as Senior Vice President, Chief Communications Officer. How's that experience been for you? It's been great. I am fortunate to have a leader who believes in me, who believes in what I can do, who is supportive of my thoughts, ideas, initiatives in J.D. Hickey. I'm fortunate to have someone like Roy who has sat in this seat and is still with the organization and I can bounce ideas off of. And everyone is so incredibly supportive. Blue Cross is a terrific company to work for. And I just I can't say enough about it. 
Well, and what really points to that Blue Cross is a terrific company to work for. Just recently, number four on the Forbes list of the best companies in the country to work for. Yeah. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, where it's just in this state, is number four in the country. It's incredible. That's got to be testament to really the leadership team and everyone involved on that executive team, because that's determined by the employees' feedback in Forbes. It's not, not some process that Forbes goes through other than surveying employees. That's right. And it's the people. It's the people at Blue Cross and it's the culture that everyone has committed to. And again, I just can't say enough about it. It's exciting. (laughs) It's exciting. So you've had varied backgrounds, but you've kept your connection with sports. Talk a little bit about the Tennessee Titans and what you do for them. (laughs) Yeah, that's been a real joy to be able to keep my hands in it from that perspective. I was able to get an opportunity uh, working game day with the media relations team of the Tennessee Titans. And now I'm able to go to the press conferences at the end of the game and help our friends in the press, help our friends in the media, because, you know, you can't be in two places at once. And typically after the game, there's a home press conference and there's a visitor's press conference. So um, as part of my responsibilities, I go to one of the press conferences and record the interviews and transcribe it for members of the press and make sure that it's available to them. Keeps your hand in sports and you get to enjoy the Titans. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's fun. Go Titans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, last question for you. What would you tell your 25-year-old self Oh, <laughs> is important for a happy life? That's important for a happy life. I would say to focus on what's important. I think we talked about it earlier today that, you know, work is not or should not be your everything. I spent years and years and years just working, just working myself to the grind and not taking a step back and building relationships and going to family events and missing girlfriend's weddings because I felt like I had to work. Um, So for my 25-year-old self, I would say, take a beat, take a breath. Talking about balance. Talking about balance. Yes. You mentioned missing a girlfriend's wedding. And that pivotal point for me was, I don't know, it's probably six, seven years ago, Tennessee was playing Oregon at Oregon. And we tailgate to Tennessee games, so our whole tailgate party was going out to Oregon. And I said, I can't go. I got to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I did during that time? I sat at my desk, and I'm going, why didn't I go on that trip? Yeah. You, you're right. You got to take time to do those things because it is about balance. You can't 100% grind away at work and end up healthy. Yes, that's right. That's right. So. It's critically important for me, for my teams. I stress it all the time. Let's have balance. Let's have some good work-life balance. It's important. Well, that's great advice. I really appreciate you coming and talking to us today on My Morning Cup. I enjoy working with you and look forward to having more conversations like this. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to My Morning Cup, a podcast by Costa Media Advisors. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. I release a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, 
or wherever you listen to podcasts.